I gave a talk to the Christian businessmen's group, How to Glorify God 8 to 5. And so, first thing I want to say is I totally believe in secular work, meaning non-church work. We're all ministers. We're all priests, priests to the believer. And so, I'm not drawing that kind of distinction. I'm just saying, as far as the office goes, your priesthood may be at a computer company or nursing or doctor or carpentry or whatever, and my priesthood happens to be in pastoring. So I'm totally there, and I believe the Bible says we should be staying generally where we are, and only if God leads in a clear way should we leave the job we're in when we're saved. So the the counsel I would give is seek to do your work in such a way that Christ looks more important than your work. Seek to make and use money in such a way that Christ looks more important than money. Seek to have relationships with people in the workplace such that Christ is more important than those relationships. Now, that doesn't imply the relationships go down in effectiveness and importance. It means, in fact, they go up. Because if Christ is infinitely precious to you, you will now have resources for the relationships and for the work that you wouldn't have had otherwise if those relationships were God. If they're God, you're drawing strength from them. And eventually people are going to feel that. And so whether it's people, whether it's money, whether it's activities, we do them all. We should be creative and industrious and excellent in all of our work in order to adorn the gospel and do it in a way that Christ is shown to be more valuable than any of those things. Welcome to the Ambassadors for Business podcast with Bob Wilbanks. Bob is the president of AFB and is leading the way to help business leaders see the partnership between faith and work. Now, here's Bob Wilbanks. Welcome to another Thrive Podcast, where we are helping people bridge that gap between faith and work. And today, I am having a special time with my good friend, Rob Gales. We had a good chance to uh, spend a few minutes before we got into the podcast. And I'm excited to have Rob on for so many reasons, the biggest of which I think he's got a great story to tell. So Rob, why don't you share a little bit about yourself and what you're doing now? Let's get this thing moving. Sounds good. Thanks, Bob. And I love what you're doing in the ministry. I've been following you for a long time, obviously, and your heart for going after it has been pretty, pretty awesome. So thanks for doing that for all of us. My background, it's like, man, we don't have enough time. I've done a lot. I spent uh, a lot of years in the investment banking world in a bunch of different roles. I've done a lot of uh, turnaround consulting, nonprofit board work, cr- Christian consulting, and Christian board work. I guess it's because I can't keep a real job. Maybe I don't know. But that's kind of been my path. And for the past three and a half, four years, I've worked for a company called Vercor. We're a middle market mergers and acquisition company and primarily focused on working with business owners on the transition and sale of their business. Uh, you had your business up and going. You had regained some focus. I had actually met you at a Christian event, and we decided to do a one-on-one. So, you know, you were walking the walk. Uh, you were out there involved in the marketplace, but then you, you had some news that really took you a lot deeper. My spiritual journey has probably been largely for the last 20 years, and it's kind of like the Lord just kind of peels back the onion and continues to peel it back. And as you said, my journey was progressing. And, and then about a year and a half ago in the spring of 2017, I got the words that no guy wants to hear. You've got uh, late stage prostate cancer. It's aggressive. We're concerned it's spread and you need to get moving. And so I did the really cool Christian thing. I went immediately to fear 
and camped out there for a little bit. And, and in that time when I was reasonably at least believing or thinking that it's possible that I'm going to die, a guy gets pretty close to the Lord at that point. And, you know, in my discernment and my quiet time at, at that time, at that point, I really understood and heard from him that you really missed what I had for you, Rob. I equipped you, I sent you out, and you missed it. And, and I had to really have the Lord search my soul. And, you know, I've done a lot of good things in my life. I've done a lot of bad things, a lot of stupid things. But at the end of the day, I'm redeemed and I'm here and I'm wondering, what does it all mean? As Susan and I went through the process of meeting with oncologists and doctors and surgeons and seeds guys, and meanwhile, I'm thinking this thing inside of me is growing and what's going on. And it was a very, very intense time for me. And it's really hard to put words to it. If you haven't heard the words yourself, it's hard to explain where you go. But, you know, somebody has said to me, actually many people have said to me, you know, your, your cancer really was a blessing. Cancer is never a blessing. It's what the result of it is what the blessing was. And so I really had to do a lot of soul searching on what does that mean in my life? And what does that mean? So I never hear those words again. I didn't like how those they tasted at all. And so I had to search, you know, in every part of my relationship in my in my family, in my marriage and my kids and who I talk to. But in my business, I needed to take a really hard look at what does it mean? You know, the business that I'm in, the M&A world, you know, just like any other world, there's good people and there's some people that are maybe perhaps not so good. But a big measure in my business is is money. It's uh, taking a company that's doing $25, $35 million in revenues, first or second generation, taking them through a very emotional process to get to a point of a successful sale. And the measure of a successful sale is when the wire hits the bank. And it is amazing to me at how many people go to this place that they've gotten all this money. And even though they know their identity is in Christ, they somehow have put their identity in what they've done for, you know, 10, 20, 30, 40 years ahead of that. And they go to this depressed place. And, and in that place, I've seen men that have had a really difficult time recovering from that. On top of that, what I've, what I've also seen is if maybe they go golf and play tennis. But in a situation like that, from a kingdom perspective, what I've seen is the enemy likes guys right there because there's really no impact from a kingdom perspective. And here you got you got people that are grizzled, experienced, love the Lord, and have a lot to offer that are just not in a really good place in life. And so what I really, really focus on is understanding at the very beginning of a process is what is your purpose? If you thought that through, what is your legacy? What are you going to do next? These are really, really important, not only to position you and get you through your transaction, but to help you have a real joy or a sense of joy for what are you going to do next? And when that wire does hit the bank, it's not a bad day. Not only is it not a bad day, it's like one of the better days of your life because you know what your kingdom purpose is. And so that's not something I just decided to do. That'd be really cool to be a really cool Christian guy and do those things. It's just when I heard those words that you missed it, Rob, I don't want people to hear those words because I think we all get so wrapped up in what we're doing and so consumed by life and the world and it's hard is that seldom do we slow down and understand what our kingdom purpose is, what our godly purpose is. I don't want people to miss it. And that's why I do what I do. You're listening to the Ambassadors for Business podcast. Excellent story. We talk about that a lot within Ambassadors for Business is, you know, the purpose. 
call, those types of things on your life. And these are these are people, whether it be men, women, you know, that have accomplished a lot in life, running successful companies, building them, employing people. And now they're at that pinnacle. I always ask the question, why are you doing all these things? And in many cases, when we really boil it down, the why really isn't about the money, but the world gets us thinking that way. And, you know, I can see where, especially those people that now have put the money aside, you know, the wires hit the bank and they're celebrating, maybe traveling quite a bit. Like you said, golfing, playing tennis, you know, you have all the good things in life and uh, deservedly so, right? But if that's all there is, as you said, Satan's got to just be sitting there going, want another one. Uh, You had an interesting story at an event we were at together the other day of a gentleman that you were working with that was thinking about selling his company and going out and being an evangelist, just going on the street, so to speak. And uh, you had a great conversation there. Could you maybe share that one? And I start by looking at the, the person and trying to discern where they are spiritually, not to judge, but just to kind of discern. That helps me figure out how to talk to this person. And the gentleman you're referring to, is a owner of a manufacturing company in the apparel business. And when he came to me, successful company, and he's ready to sell his firm. And I said, well, what are you going to do next? Because that's that's not my, my line of questioning. It doesn't go down to the business. It goes down to the personal side first. And the comment was, I'm going to go be a street evangelist. I've got the gift of evangelism. I said, that's that's phenomenal. That That's really phenomenal. But let me challenge you on that, if I may. I don't have the gift of evangelism, but I think I could go stand on a street corner and evangelize. And that's not in any way downplaying anything that you're saying here, but I want to challenge you on something. How many people in your business, employees, vendors, clients, are believers? And his comment was not very many. I said, then consider this. If you leave the firm and go do evangelism, which is awesome, you may be robbing people from meeting the Lord Jesus Christ because of the void that you live in the industry, which led to a discussion about maybe I shouldn't sell the company. So my business partner, Mark, may hear this and wonder why I <laughs> told another guy not to sell, sell his, his firm, but, right. but there you go. So, hey, I'm an M&A advisor. How do you advise people without knowing them? And how do you know them without going deep? And that's just how I approach it. Great story. So when you are uh, out in the marketplace and you're with these really captains of industry, really, I mean, people that own organizations, they've had success. Do you see any common threads with the way they're they're living life? Because you work in the secular world as well. Maybe just some comparative pieces on what you see when, you, when you've got somebody that really has mission and purpose down in their life and is a follower of Christ versus someone that might be more along the lines of a nominal Christian. Yeah, I'm Christian, but I'm not really following biblical principles in my life. Or somebody that was either a seeker or just unsaved. Can you see some differences in the way things are being approached and kind of mindset uh, with those individuals? I think a great disappointment, which leads to great opportunity, is that just because somebody says they're a Christian certainly doesn't mean that's how they operate in the marketplace. I would sadly say I've been burned by more believers in my career than, than I would care to count. I, I think sometimes it's if I sit down with you and go, hey, Bob, you're a Christian. I'm a Christian. This is awesome. And it's like, I'd just rather go check, please, because it's almost like a, a license to fleece the other person. And so I don't really accept on face value, you know, anybody what they say. It's really do they say what they do, they do what they say. And so from a Christian 
perspective. Again, sadly, what I've seen a lot is people, when when the heat's on, we don't have time to pray. We don't have time to lift up the situation. We got to get crap done, right? We just got to get her done. And we operate like just everybody else. There's being a Christian. There's being a Christian in business. There's operating as a Christian in business, and then there's really giving your entire business to the Lord, which is the piece that very few people do. It really is presenting what you do, how you do it, and totally giving it to the Lord and receive His guidance, and very few people do that from what I see. I find this really interesting because running a ministry that is a Christian business ministry where we're bringing Christians together to do business together. That's a secondary part of our mission, right? The first part being as a leadership organization, we're equipping Christians to walk boldly in faith throughout their business week. But the second piece is while we're connecting them. And I've had that comment from many Christians. I've been burned by more Christians than I can count. And my perspective on it, and let's chat on this for a second, is that one of the reasons I think that happens more often than not is that we automatically have that shared identity in Christ and it lets our guard down and we don't take the due diligence steps that we should to make sure that we define what the expectations are in the relationship on both sides of the street right? So uh, I I engage somebody to fix something that I need fixed, and they say, sure, I can fix that. But their version of how that would be fixed is maybe not my version. We never discussed it. We didn't come to agreement on it. We skipped a lot of steps, is my point. So making sure that as we do business together in this Christian environment, that we take the time to actually define what expectations are, and then from there, agree to come into this relationship as a covenant relationship with one another, that we're going to go to each other first if we're having a problem, feeling like, hey, this isn't quite going to plan. Expectations were here. We agreed on that. What are you going to do about it? Yeah, I agree. I think, you know, you say they skip a lot of steps, and I agree with that. We seem to generally get the first step right. Hey, uh, my name's Rob. I'm a believer. And hey, Bob, you're a believer. Awesome. And then we don't talk about it ever again. We sort of file it away, and we're going to use it somehow against each other. However, I believe that if a relationship gets off on the right foot, and you can go deep right out of the chute, and I get to look at your heart, you get to look at my heart, it just becomes not what we do going forward in discussions. It becomes who we are. And then we can operate much better together. But most people go to step number one, skip everything else, and just get down to business. And then we all look like everybody else. And that's not how the Lord wants us to operate in the market. Agreed. So make sure we're doing the due diligence. You've got a business process. You've got steps before you do business with others outside of faith. Take those same steps. Walk through those, and we'll probably minimize a lot of those potential pitfalls that are there. And then if you do have the pitfalls, what an opportunity it is to show another believer how we operate with grace and in that covenant relationship. I have one of the greatest jobs in the world. My role is essentially business development. My role is to source situations, source companies that are for sale or going to be for sale and walk with that business owner in that sort of beginning relational and and the relational person all the way through. My partner, Mark Jordan, uh, is probably the best deal maker that I've ever met in my life. I should say that because he's my partner, but I've been around this business for a very long time and so I know it to be true. And so not to at all downplay the process processes and what we do. What I get to do every day is just walk with people, love on them, understand them, listen to them, and then bring them into Mark Jordan's team. And then Mark and I work this thing out together. 
And um, I just, I enjoy being able to do that all day long. I get to bring people into just a very, very quality situation. And so when that whole process is done, it began with the relationship, it got through, got a great price, a great transaction, and they're equipped from a kingdom perspective. I just get to do that every day. Right. And I had a wise person tell me once, uh, he's been on our podcast, Roger Thompson from Berean Baptist Church. He said, never put a D on the end of anything because you're never done, right? Exactly. So equipped, you know, they're equipped, but they're not done. And that's your point. What do we do next? So I had a question based on what you were talking about before. I was rewinding this down. I thought it was really wise uh, what you were were talking about in, in the various stages of the business itself, where the owner can be Christian, but then are they actually being that way in business is the next step. And then actually operating the business as a Christian. And then you said truly giving it over to the Lord. Could you maybe just camp on those last few steps there? What what you see are the differences between that? Well, I had a situation that let's say became dire at one point in my career. And I was a Christian and uh, I did have a Christian uh, leadership team. And we did pray at our weekly meeting. We did evangelize occasionally, but we did it just because it seemed like that's what we were supposed to do. And as the business began to struggle, and this is what happens, like God's got to get this two by four out and hit me and I had to make me, you know, make decisions. I'm just not smart enough to arrive here on my own most of the time, it seems. But in this situation, we were, let's just say, in trouble. Sat down with my leadership group and said, here's here's the deal, boys and girls, that this situation is going to come to an end. We're going to raise the capital. We're going to sell the company. We're going to close the doors. We don't know what it's going to be, all right? But what I do know is that a year from now, this isn't going to be the situation. And we need to today, starting today, we need to hold each other accountable to pray through everything that we do. You guys need to hold me accountable as the leader of this. And the measure of whether we are successful or not at the end of this is is not what was the outcome, but did we honor God? And I can tell you that, that we did, and we received the fruits of that, and it was amazing. But what I can also tell you is that when the next thing comes along, I'm safe now, right? If I'm not in that place where I need God, we forget about him, and then we start operating in the world just like everybody else. And by the way, I think this is the beauty of what you're doing, Bob, is the way you're connecting believers. It's constantly iron sharpening iron. It, it can't be just a one and done. It can't be a catch and release. It has got to be a, not just what we do, but who we are in iron sharpening iron. And so I guess the long answer to your short question is that truly you've got to be in it every single day. You got to be talking about it. You got to be praying together. Can't at the end of the day look like everybody else. Agreed. So as you've been navigating through this and in closing, do you have a set of best practices that you would share, either that you've cobbled together from what you've seen with those that have mentored you or just your own life experiences, what, it, what it's led you to, that help keep you grounded through thick and thin, not only in the bad times, but in those good times where it's 72, no wind, <laughs> yeah. and you're sailing right along on that smooth lake of life. My best practices as far as how I handle myself, let's say in the marketplace, I don't really have a written set of best practices. I've gotten to the point where the Lord has been working on me and changing me and changing me, and then I go through the cancer. It's almost like I can't keep up 
with all the changes that are going on, and every discussion I have is different. I just trust that the Lord's going to give me words in any discussion. That's just how I look at it. Actually, had this aha moment that if I have too many bullet points or notes or you know maybe even best practices, that I'll I'll actually miss what I really should be talking about because I can't actually get it all written down. I don't know if that makes any sense, but I I just kind of roll with it. The first part of what we say in our why statement, the why behind ambassadors for business, is meeting people where they're at. I, I will add uh, from that's from the relational piece. Just to be clear, once we get into the business piece, we are all about best practices and militant about our processes and procedures and how we get everything done. But as far as relationally, what's a discussion look like? That's just, I just roll with it. Blending the two together is such an art form and you do a fantastic job at it. So as we wrap up, how would we find Rob Gales? How do we find Vercor and where should we go to uh, get more of Rob? Well, I'm uh, Rob at Vercor, V-E-R-C-O-R.com. That's our website. And you can reach me there. And we're vercor.com, V-E-R-C-O-R.com is our website. Excellent. Thank you, Rob. Been a pleasure having you on today. Thanks very much, Bob. The Ambassadors for Business podcast creates a venue to interview area leaders on how to incorporate their faith at work. One of our core beliefs is that our work can be defined as worship, and we want to use this philosophy to encourage other business leaders to see the benefits of the work and faith partnership. We'll also be using the research of George Barna and Right Now Media to analyze current trends in the marketplace. Uh, I like to razz my students at USC who are in the business school by asking them, what is business for? And of course, they like parrots, say, oh, it's profit. And then my next question is, do you tell that to your clients? (laughs) And of course we don't. We say things like, we care. And they don't mean we care about making money. (laughs) I mean, they're not gonna say that to their clients. They say, we care about you, right? And people often, they ask me to talk on things like, is God in business? If God wasn't in business, it wouldn't even be there. Thanks for joining us for the Ambassadors for Business podcast with Bob Wilbanks. For more information about this ministry, go to our website at ambassadorsforbusiness.com.